Hey, hi, welcome to Chew on That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church here in Green Bay. And you're joining us for a podcast, Chew on That, where we uh, listen to sound bites from the most recent sermon from the most current sermon series happening at Life Church. And this week, it's our, our friend, Pastor Sonny, talking about um, uh, forgiveness in a series that uh, we're calling Smile Again. And so joining me today is my good friend, Tim Oates. Say hi, Tim Oates. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're listening to your voice on this mic. Wow, it's like a voice for radio. <laughs> so Tim, why don't you just uh, share a little bit about yourself with us? Well, I'm happily married. I have to my beautiful wife, Heather. Uh, we've been married for 14 years. That's crazy. Been together since we were 17. So 20 years we've been wow. together. Yeah. I yeah. love that. She's definitely my rock. She's pushed me to be very, very happy and successful in life. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's really good partnership. And then we also uh, created five beautiful children, four daughters, one boy. Wow. Yeah. 11, 10. I got twin girls that are four and my little boys too. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So, um, where are you from? Like, did you grow up here in this area? Yeah, I grew up just down the road, west of here. Gotcha. Born and raised most of my life here. Yeah. I spent a little time in Savannah, Georgia when I was younger. Gotcha. Uh, my father was an electrician. I see. And he traveled and um, got my start in Savannah, Georgia. Moved back up here when I started getting a Southern accent. Right. I had one. It's, it's, it took a while for it to go away. It would have been hard to me for me to move away from Savannah only because I would have to leave Waffle Houses. Oh, and so. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I don't have the effect. I've never even had a waffle at Waffle House, but those hash browns at the Waffle House. Oh, the price. It's uh, like three seventy five, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah and I, I, I leave full every time. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so then uh, you'd mentioned uh, your dad being an electrician. So you're an electrician as well? Yes. I see. And so um, let's talk a little bit about, maybe about your faith background. Like, did you always grow up in church or was that a later in life thing? Yeah, I was raised, you know, my, my mother worked in a paper mill. Dad was an electrician. So was, they were the real... Typical work hard, play hard yeah. kind of parents. Yep. So, you know, church was more of a, a tradition or a forced thing growing yep. up. Grew up in a Lutheran church. Loved it. Uh, we kind of, what do we call those? CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Oh, yep. Yep. Crowd. yep. I did go through confirmation and, you know, went through a few uh, uh, church camps, Lutheran based church yep. camps. Yep. Loved them. And kind of fell away after I moved away from home. And they really don't go much either. And, uh, we really didn't talk much about Jesus in the household, um, like I wish we would have or we could have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have been pretty helpful in my teenage years. Yeah. But I always did have a strong pray background. Oh. Very strong. I always prayed when I saw a beautiful sunset, caught a big fish. Yeah. During hunting, you know, when you just see really neat um, nature landscapes, probably yeah. what you look for in photography. Right, right. I would always say a prayer. So I've always been strong in my faith. Um, I probably could have used a little more churching up. Yeah. Going through yeah, my teenage years. Yeah. More community even. like even Because yes. I feel like that's what we have as a family. So I wonder how that shaped how you father your five kids now. Like like how has like, because I would imagine you, you weren't a teenager when you're like, I wish we prayed more. I wish we did no, church more. Right. So not you look all. back on it and say, I wish I would have had that. So yeah. how has that shaped your fatherhood now? Uh Daily, we talk about Jesus. Wait, it does. I don't try to. It's not like structured. Yeah, but it comes out like my little girl Violet said she's trying to be more like Jesus this morning. Mm, so good. And Heather grabbed me and hey, look what Violet said. Look what Violet said. And because we talk about be more like Jesus to each other. Yeah. And I, I feel I don't want you to have this picture. You know that at home we're this perfect family. I mean we're, we're a typical sure, seven yeah. person family. Yep. There's yeah. a lot of 
arguing and posturing to get ahead of the next right. kid because they got to fight for attention. And right. I got a 11 year old turning on turning 16. It yep. feels like yep. 10 year old feels like she's turning 15. So we always kind of go back to what we're learning at church. Oh, I dig that. I yeah. Dig that. Huh. Try okay. to. Yeah. Try not to be a hypocrite either. No, I know what that's like. Cause I, I, mean, I feel like one thing I, that I feel like I learned in that is I, I need to be realer with my kids. Like I need to be, and this is something I learned late that my dad never was. Like, I, I feel like I, I wouldn't have misunderstood my dad as much as I did if he just really like could explain things to me or if he just would have like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like gave me context for why I was in trouble or why he was mad or why. Why you I, can't do that. Right. You know I mean? Just give me some context. I feel like that would totally would have changed how I felt. But I mean, I mean I'm old, so he was even older. And so I, it just wasn't part of like how they did things then. And so, but I feel right. like I'm really deliberate or really intentional about laying that up for my kids now mm-hmm. where they just, they understand the context or why church is important. We just don't go to church because we have to go to church because we go to hell if we don't. Like we go to church because like we need that community and we need, oh, yeah. we need to be around that's, other people. Camaraderie is, yep. it's very important. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, reassurance, you're not alone. Yeah. Against the enemy. Yeah. That's what it is for me. Yeah. That's good. I dig that. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump uh, let's jump into uh, the first time. Like I said, we're talking about um, Pastor Sonny's message uh, on forgiveness uh, from this last Sunday. So let's just listen to that. Um, let's just listen to that first sound quite right now. Stanford University psychologist Carl Thorson. He said, "Forgiveness means giving up the right to be aggravated and angry, and the desire to strike back. Forgiveness is more than just a concept; it's an event." But it's something that happens, but something that happens weekly, monthly, annually. Yeah, I I mean, forgiveness is such a deep subject. Like it's such, I mean, there's so much forgiveness that we, are, that we need to do and so much unforgiveness that we carry around. And so this thing about forgiveness and it being like an event, that really struck a chord with me because I, I feel like um, we, we think that we should... We should live in grace, which we should, but that forgiveness has to be a thing that we're always working on. It's always got to be a thing. It's always got to be, because we have to keep moving into that. If we, because we just feel like we can do it once and it's done, that's never going to work. It's never going to work. Nope. You know, and so, because we're, like Sonny had said in the, further on in the message, she talks about how we're always going to find a new way to be offended. We're always going to find a new way to feel jilted or that we got less than, you know? Yes. So I, I love that idea about forgiveness. And so like, I wonder, like, uh, how does that play out for you? How does that play out like in your life? It, you have to make it a lifestyle. I try to make it a lifestyle because I've always been, I've, I always have been a forgiving person, but I'm not always very considerate because in, I guess before I started coming to life church, I was kind of a quick to anger, yeah. very combative I say, yeah, I like not because debate. I know that about you. I'm saying, yeah, because I feel the same way about yeah, me. Yeah, I, I like to debate. I, I, You know, you could say that wall is white. I'll tell you it's black. Tomorrow you could say, oh, yeah, I agree with you. That's black. I'm like, I don't know. I think it might be white now. I, right. I used to be that person. Yeah. And, but I can, I always been able to get over a confrontation or a debate or an argument really quickly. We're talking like 15 minutes later, it's gone. And, but the people that I've, you know, might've hurt or angered are not like me at all. Right. Uh, So I, you know, I, I feel, you know, you have to live forgiveness and you also have to remember that it might take other people much longer to forgive you. 
Yeah. And don't put yourself in a spot where you're always asking for forgiveness. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. there might be something wrong if daily you're asking for forgiveness. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, you know, and you know, I've lived it in my career even. I, you know, I work at a manufacturing company down in Appleton. I have a coworker of mine that felt wrong me. And it got pretty, pretty intense. So we're talking HR, you know, yeah. that whole ball game. And I actually prayed for that individual not to lose his job. And I forgave him instantly. And it just made me, I don't know, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was in me that time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was washed away. What's the term I'm looking for here, Scott? Uh, uh, washed, uh, swept underneath the rug. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we let bygones be bygones. Yeah. You know, a lot of people. Water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, swept under the rug means I'm going to go find it later. Yes. So, yeah. So I was thinking washing water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so yep. much. Nope, of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, a lot of that's from the teachings here at, at church from being, you know, trying to be an every Sunday churchgoer and talking to people that are like-minded, right? Iron sharpens iron. Yep. And that helps tremendously in my life, in my career, in my family, where it's, I don't know, forgiveness is kind of the most important thing in the Bible. Yeah. I, you know, hopefully I'm not take, uh, taking the Bible context there, but it seems like the reoccurring theme is you're going to screw up all the time. You know, yep. King David, King Saul, King Solomon, right. all of them, right? Yep. And they always get forgiven. Right. There's only one dude that didn't. Right? Yep. And he was the one who was doing all the forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, I, I couldn't go through life without knowing I'm forgiven. Yeah. And that helps me forgive everyone else around me. For sure. Because what a burden that would be, right? If you knew that you just like, at some point you're going to have to pay for all this. You're going to have to like own all this and like be punished for all this. Like what a burden that would be just to try to get through life. And and then like how mad you would be. I feel like, because whenever I feel like I'm overloaded or I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I end up like, that's when my temper gets shorter. Like that less room for grace. Yeah. Cause I'm all anxious. And so like, I could see where if you weren't a person that if you weren't a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl and you just kind of wrestled with forgiveness and unforgiveness your whole life, like you would always be on the brink of a fight or a blow up or something. You know what I mean? I'm reading this book. Actually, I just finished a book called drop the stones by a guy named Carlos Rodriguez. He's a, a Puerto Rican pastor in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina in one of the Carolinas. Anyway, uh, and it's a book about um, about the Pharisees and the woman caught in adultery and, you know, mm-hmm. how they were ready to stone her, right? And just waiting for Jesus to give the go. And so, and just, it talks about this. It talks about grace and forgiveness. And one of the things he talked about in this book that just shocked me was that he feels like in situations, he's learned that in situations where he feels like he might be right and he might be entitled or he might be righteous, that he'll ask like his adversary in that situation to pray for him. And he says it completely disarms the situation, right? It could just completely, it it shows that you're humble and you know that you have a a role to play in this, you know, problem. Um, And then it it gives them the power, right? To, I I love that. Like, I don't know if I've got the courage to do it yet. Like when I think about like, I mean, like you, we've got a great house. I love my wife. I love my kids. But sometimes, you know, like my wife and I will disagree about something Mm -hmm. and I'll want to be right. And she'll want to be right. And I feel like I've done a better job of like saying, Hey, I don't, I don't, I think you need to tell me more about how you're right. Because I don't want to just like, 
insist on running to try to get my own way. Tell me more about you. So I yes. feel like I've gotten better about that, but I feel it'd be like, I can't even imagine what would happen. It's like, Hey, I want to own whatever my part is in this. Will you pray for me? Like, I feel like that would just like, man. Like, yeah, that'd be big. It would be big. Yeah. Forgiveness is such a big deal and we all need to be doing more of it. Like by 100%, you know? Yeah. The, the story I told you about my coworker, that's probably the first time in my life. I think I prayed for, I'm not going to say he's an enemy, but it yeah. always says pray for your enemies yep. in the Bible. Yep. And it, the relief you feel when you pray for somebody that you feel is doing you wrong. Right. Is it, it's an amazing feeling. Right. I mean, the Bible says, right, do not repay evil with evil, repay evil with good. And so, yeah. I mean, how much better, how much gooder is what I almost said. <laughs> how much gooder could you get than praying for them? Like oh, how like yeah. appealing to like the creator of the universe on their behalf. I just, I mean, that's a big deal. So yeah, I love that. That's good. So good. So, so good. We can't set ourselves up to expect that the forgiveness work we put in today will last all month or all year. You will get newly offended or hurt. You'll have a memory, maybe a memory of how you messed up or how someone abused their power over you. And you will begin to ask the question, did I really even forgive the first time? If I did, then why do I keep thinking about it? But you ask, aren't we supposed to forgive and forget? Here's the problem with that man-made cliche. It's that God can do that, but we can't forget. God can and does forgive and forget, but we are incapable of forgetting. Yeah, I dig that. It actually reminds me, um, in our Alpha course, uh, we are always doing Alpha courses here at Life Church, and you should totally take one if you haven't. But um, there's uh, one that uh, talks about like why Jesus had to die, and of course it had to do with uh, forgiveness and everything else. And so at the end of it, he, uh, he being Nikki Gumbel, pulls a quote from a woman named, um, oh my gosh, why would I just draw a blank just then? Uh, Corey Ten Boom, right? And Corey Ten Boom was this, uh, a Dutch woman whose family was arrested during the Nazi occupation and they were uh, put into concentration camps and her sister and her family were all killed. And then she ended up um, uh, being an evangelist and she would you know tour all through uh, Europe and she ended up meeting like one of the guards from the concentration camp uh, where her family died. And she talks about this story about how he came up talking, like he didn't recognize her about talking about forgiveness and how she just like went cold. And, and she said, I don't know that I could ever forgive this guy. And then like, she realized that she can't, but God can't and that God has. And so she's just a conduit of that forgiveness you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I love this idea of that I don't have the ability. I don't have the capacity to forgive and forget. God does. And so um, I feel like that's the only way that I can make it. Like, I feel like, like you, I feel like my frustration is often, although broad, you know what I mean? Like it's, everyone knows it's only like a puddle thin. Like it doesn't last forever. Yeah. But like you said, that doesn't, that doesn't not affect people. It still oh. affects people, even though, you know, it's only a quarter inch thin. It's still, and so I feel like this forgiveness, I, I, I need to be working on that so that I, I don't get to that big, giant, broad, you know, offense. I need to, so, cause I like, what a, what a weight to put then on the people. Like now I've got to, like you said, I've got to ask them for forgiveness. I need to stop looking for ways. I need to start looking for ways not to have to ask forgiveness. Yes. Like six <laughs> double negatives in there. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I, I gotta like change my behavior, yeah. you know, especially real close relationships. Right. You're always 
the meanest and nastiest to the people closest to you. Isn't that crazy? Because you know, it's like a, a, a safety net. They're always going to be there because they have to be. Yep. Because they're your family. They're your parents, right. your brothers and sisters. They're your best friends. And and you kind of, you can get caught up in putting this fake face on sometimes in front of people you don't know that well. Yep. You know, because you, you know, you want to be so liked or you want to keep a reputation for being a great person. And then behind the scenes, you snap back at the people you love the most. It should be the op. Well, you shouldn't be mean to anybody. Right. But- of the people, if you got to be mean to somebody. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you start with your family and friends first. Like yep. I, I'm trying to preach that to my family right now. We get caught up doing that. Like my kids, everyone, oh, you got great kids, Tim. They're so respectful. They listen. They don't goof off whenever they volunteer or do things to help people. Yep. Nothing but Tim, your kids are great. And then when they get home, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, they like to take their mask off. Right. And I, I don't always see that. Or yeah. they don't see that from me, you know? Yep. And so, oh, uh, your dad's so great. He does, he helps out the church all the time. He's great to work with. He teaches us at um, the tech college. He does such a good job. And then I get home and I don't, I don't remember that. It's, yeah. it's like you know, uh, the enemy. I mean, yeah. he strikes you where what's most precious to you and it's in your home life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we got to start with the closest ones to us. And Yeah. My wife, uh, a couple of years ago, called me out. She uh, said, why does everyone else get bright, shiny Scott? But I, I don't get that. Why, is, why do I get, you know, exhausted or frustrated or, you know, I don't get bright and shiny Scott? And, and it's just like you said, right? Like, why would, I, why would I save bright, shiny Scott for everyone at church or everyone at my job or everyone of my clients? Or, you know, then just be like dour or yeah. mopey. Right. You know, around the house. And like, I needed to change that because like that, like you said, that should be the last place, you know, that I'm, that I'm a downer, that I, that I pull my family down. Yeah. Um, That's your front line. Right. That's it. And that like, as much as I need them as my strength, I need to know that I've got their back and they're never going to think I've got their back if I can't even take care of my own back. And it's just how they're going to feel if I'm moping or mad or, you know, something like that. And so I was really, I was really glad that she called me out on that. Yeah. Um, and I needed to ask her her forgiveness and I needed to, you know, square up with my kids on that. And so, and it's not like I don't ever get mopey or don't ever get sad because I mean, like I do a lot and sometimes I'm just exhausted and I just, I don't mm-hmm. have another ounce of patience. And so, but like, I find that it works if I give them a heads up about it. Like I, like we talked about, like I give them some context on that and say, here's how I'm feeling right now. So if I'm not exactly responsive or I'm not all super fun and jolly, it's because like, I'm just, I'm thinking about this right now and it's just a lot for me. So, you know, asking for grace, I mean, that goes a long way, you know, to making sure that things run smoothly, whether that is at home or at work. I can see where you could do that at work. Like if you work with someone all the time and you're close, you know, I don't know, maybe it's weird the first time, bro, I got this going on, man. So I might not be on my A game, so I need you to, you know, whatever. So that might be weird at first, but I find that the older I get that, they talk about old people a lot, how like when we get old, we wear whatever we want, we say whatever we want because like we just don't care anymore. Oh uh, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> like I, I find that people respond to transparency or people respond to authenticity. Yeah. Like if you just like, I'm just going to be, you know, open with you, man. Like I, you know, I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to gain you know, by pretending to be anything else, by wearing any kind of mask, I've got nothing to gain by doing that. Here's where I'm at, you know? And so, I don't know. I feel like my relationships are better that way. Yeah. That you have no ulterior motives and you're not right. looking to step on someone to get ahead. Yeah. It, 
people notice that right away. Kind of like how Sean says, kids and dogs notice if you're a good person right away. That's it. It being transparent is the same way with adults. You know, if they see that you're a transparent, warm person, yep. it's going to go a long ways. Yep. And it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them, you know, I don't know, like there's nothing but good that can come out of it. I mean, I guess there might be like some jerk out there that'll take advantage of your transparency or your yeah. genuineness. It happens. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know, like I, I feel like God wanted me to be genuine. And so I'm just going to keep doing that. And if some guy comes up against me and takes advantage of me, God's got it. Like It's their problem. It's their problem. Not ours. Yep. It says a lot more about them than it does about me. Yep. You know, we've heard that grieving has cycles or stages, but so does forgiveness. There is denial, shock, mourning, numbness, anger, and even more emotions. And even after we forgive, we will have a memory pop up that starts the cycle or stages over again. We tell people to give themselves grace for the grieving process, but when it comes to forgiving and forgetting, we either refuse to try or try and feel like it didn't work. Yeah, I, <clears throat> the other night, last night, uh, we had a uh, church downtown and uh, around one of our table discussions, this subject came up about forgetting and for, or forgiving and forgetting and like why sometimes we can feel like I've still heard about this. So does that mean that I didn't actually forget it all or forgive it all? And I, we were trying to work it through. Like, I feel like when something happens to us, we can forgive someone, but that doesn't eliminate like the scar that doesn't eliminate you know, like I feel like those are two different things. I don't know. Like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, this goes back to, you know, the previous soundbite. You know, we can't forget and, and God can. And I think we can't forget because you learn from it to begin with, right? You learn from mistakes and right. other people's mistakes. And it makes you aware it kind of makes you aware not to do it to somebody else. Yep. You know, the golden rule. And yeah, that's a tough question because, you know, if you're, you, you, you tell yourself you've forgiven that person. Right. But you're still hurt. Yep. And maybe you truly didn't forgive that person then. You know, that, that, yeah. that's a fine line between that forgive and forget thing right there. Right. Yep. And that's a deep, deep, a lot of self-reflection is required yeah. For that. If you're still hurt from a spouse or a best friend, I would say what hurts people a lot is gossip. I think yep. that's the most common, you know, because not everybody's an adulterer or a drunk right. or whatever, but that's, you know, I've, I said some things about my spouse once I got back, you know, I, we were, I was mad and I was betting yep. to my friend and uh, I accidentally texted her. Oopsie. Yep. And I don't think I've ever heard her that much in my entire life than that thing I said. About I want to vomit right now just thinking about that. Yeah, it, it it's happened to me once, and I couldn't believe I did it. I mean, that's my life partner. That's my best friend. Yeah. That's the only person in life I get to choose, right? Yep. Well, you get to choose Jesus. You get to choose your spouse. You don't right. choose your friends. You don't choose your boss. Well, you choose your friends, sorry. You don't choose your kids, your, your yep. brothers and sisters, your parents, your boss. And I couldn't believe that came out of my mouth, and I just never came up again. So she's obviously forgiven. And hopefully forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, I hope so. My gosh. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so I, you have to ask yourself, I think if you're still hurt, you you could tell yourself you've forgiven that person, but I don't know if you did. So I wonder if it's a if it's a if it's a layered thing or a tiered thing. Like what if so let's say you say that you've forgiven someone, 
but you're still angry. You still hate them. Then I think for sure you've not fully gone through the whole forgiveness process. Sure. If there's anger there. If there's anger there. Okay. So like when you think about it, when you talk about it, when you, you know, express it, there's like your body gets tense, right? Your blood goes cold. Like I feel yeah, like- Yeah, there's definitely no forgiveness yeah, right. there. You know? And so like, I feel like it's still okay. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like I could still remember something that someone did to me. And even though I've forgiven them for it, I can still talk about like that pain or I can still talk about like what that pain taught me. So it doesn't eliminate the pain, mm-hmm. right? But like everything else God does, he uses the bad crap that happens in our life. Like he always uses- Turns it around. Turns it around. Yes. Right? Like we just sing about that on Sunday, right? Like gardens from graves and highways from oceans. And I wish I knew all the lyrics, but I don't. So, but I, I mean, it's just like that. And beauty for ashes, right? That's a famous one. And so I feel like that's what he does. And so when we when something happens to us worth forgiving, I feel like we need to quickly forgive- even if not for them, for ourselves, mm-hmm. and then work on, you know, the healing, you know, and, and that may take a week, that may take a month, that may take a lifetime, but like know that, try to identify not the ways that it continues to hurt, but try to identify the ways that God can make beauty from that. Like what good thing has happened out of that situation, you know? And so if we just take a second to think about that, because we could, we can easily spin out or cycle out and yeah. like going over our hurts and like re- visiting them and re cause then that's, then that's like you said, then it might as well just be hate yeah. right? or anger. If we just, if we want to go there because we like to feel sorry for ourselves mm-hmm. and remember the hurt. But if we look at hurt as a, a thing that God used, then I feel like that's healthy. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I'm totally just making that up right now. No, that's a tough question, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that's, nobody forgets. We're told to love our neighbor as ourselves, but some of us don't love ourselves enough to move to the neighbor part. You can't seem to forget yourself for your part of the divorce, for your part of the sever with your kids. You can't seem to forgive yourself for the abortion, the affair, the theft, the way you ended it with a friend. You can't forget, so you think you haven't been forgiven. But as you just saw, God serves as our example of forgiveness. God is willing to understand who we are, where we've been, and what we're going through. Now we must be willing to try to understand ourselves and our past. I really like that soundbite. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. It, uh, you know, how can you, how can you forgive somebody else if you're not forgiving yourself? I mean, yep. that it's preached to us through the scripture and sermon since I was a young kid. Yep. You have to forgive yourself so God can forgive you. Yep. And I see that a lot. I see that, you know, how can you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? That, that's that's fire right there. Yeah, for sure. That really struck a nerve with me. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to keep bringing up Alpha, but there was, um, in that same episode, I think, of Alpha, Nikki talks about how if, if if we are believers in Christ, and then we, you know, believe everything that he said and everything that God said, and that, um, that when we are saved, when we ask Jesus into our heart, we accept salvation and faith, that God forgives us of our sins. And so he said, but if you go on not forgiving yourself, you're setting yourself up as a higher tribunal than God. You're saying, well, I mean, God might've forgiven me, but he's got to forgive everybody. I know me better than God does. And so I know how bad that was. So I'm not going to forgive myself. I'm just going to hold on to that. Meaning that you're smarter than God or better than God or more just than God. Okay. 
And that's a problem, yes, right? Because like, a God a that, that can fit underneath me or beneath me on a hierarchy, yeah. I mean, that's not really a God at all. That's, no, you know? I never looked at it that way. Yeah, and so like, and he's clear about what we're forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, right? He puts our transgressions away from us, right? And so that, that's forever, right? So if you try to figure that out, it, East is farthest from the West. Anyway, <laughs> so like, that's how far he separates us, you know, from our sin. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But then I don't know, like what it is about us and our nature where we want to hold on to that. Like we want to, we think we're being better people by not forgiving ourselves. Like I'm, I'm, I'm too good to forgive myself. I'm too, you know, I don't want to forgive myself because I, I knew better and I just can't get myself to do it because, and, but then God did. And then right. he said, I, in fact, I believe in this so much, God said, that let me just uh, let my son die for you. Right. right? Like, so like, that's yeah, how much that's... I believe in this is that. I believe that you're so forgiven that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow my son to die on your behalf. And so, like, I don't know, for us to hold on to the fact that I, I'm not trying to diminish it, but, like, you snowed a Kit Kat bar when you were little or that you, yeah. you know, whatever it is, whether it was, like, a drunken tirade or whatever your thing is that you're not forgiving yourself for, you know, I really feel like it's worth examining, like, why you're not forgiving yourself. And, I mean, certainly there's the other half of that. I feel like it's, like, it's, like, uh, um, like the law, right? There's like civil law and there's legal law. I don't know what those things are. No, me neither. Anyway, but like, like when you commit a crime, right? There's the law part of it, but then there's yep. a civil part of it. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah. I don't know what that is. but I'm, Yeah, because you could be found innocent of right. the actual crime and but, be found guilty. Yes, on a civil in, basis. In a civil. And then, yeah, and then still owe some money. Yes. So when we do something wrong, like there's definitely a part where we're going to, we owe something somebody, right? Like, yeah. so forgiveness doesn't mean that I don't have to pay my price, I don't have to like pay like my penance. That's a bad word because I hate that word. But like I need to pay the price for what I did. Yes. I need to, you know. And so, but there's a there's an eternal price, you know, for my sin. And God's telling me that I'm forgiven of that and it's been paid for, that eternal price. And so whatever I have to deal with here on earth to own up to that problem, I, I got to do it. So forgiveness isn't like doesn't make all your troubles go away. No. But it makes the most important one go away. The thing, the price that you'd have to pay if you didn't. Anyway, I don't know. No, that's that's great stuff. And you know, self-forgiveness is also just as important to stop you from recommitting that sin. Yeah. If you don't forgive yourself and you don't shed that shroud of shame, you're more likely to do that sin again. Yeah, it's already on the books. Yeah, it's already in the books. Why does it make a difference? Yeah. I'm not good enough to go to church. I, I'm going to start on fire if I go to church. Right. And, and you don't stop doing it. You yeah. just keep sinning and you feel like dirt because you're not forgiving yourself. Yeah. And if you forgive yourself, you'll stop doing it because yeah. you'll recognize that it's a sin. Self-forgiveness leads to you recognizing that you're a sinful person. Yep. Yeah. You got to you got to start there. You got to right. shed that shroud of shame. I mean, yeah, I love that because what you're saying is that if we don't forgive ourselves, we keep it in our pocket. Yeah, and when it's in our pocket, like it's easy for us to not hate it. Like, right. And so, like, I need to forgive myself so I can start hating that thing that I did, right? Rather than carrying it around in my pocket like a keepsake or a memento. Like, I need to get rid of that crap and like and start hating the fact that I did that. Mm-hmm. And because that's really what repentance is like is hating that I do a thing, yeah. like not. You know, it's, it's not anything more elaborate than that. It's like moving in a different direction. That's all repentance is, is changing your mind and going in a different direction. And so I can't do that, like you said, if I keep carrying around unforgiveness for the thing that I did in my past. Yeah. I got to get it out of my pocket and throw it out. Yeah, repentance is often forgot, but probably the most important 
you know, yeah. in salvation. Yep. You know, yeah. everybody confesses, everybody asks for forgiveness. And the third step is repentance. And right. we forget that repentance thing yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. We have to hate what we do. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Like, I feel like I've got a bunch of things that like, I hate that I do them. Like, I hate that I lose my temper. I hate that. I don't know. I get jealous easy. I hate that I'm, I have enmity in me. I feel like I pick a fight sometimes or I'm looking for a fight sometimes. Yeah. I'm overly competitive. Yeah. You know, with coworkers and I could play ping pong and I know I'm no good at it. I will still get mad if I lose. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Right. I've caused some relationships to go south because of competitions too. Because, you know, I I approached somebody and accused them of cheating and they really didn't. Yeah. But I was so dang mad that I lost. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's enmity, right? And so like in Paul's, in Paul, one of Paul's letters, he's talking about the things that are like, the fruit of the flesh or the, like the weaknesses of the flesh. And right in there is this idea of enmity amongst drunkenness and orgies and sexual immorality and, mm-hmm. you know, jealousy and everything. It's like right in there. And so like, I have to hate that about me. I have to hate that I'm always looking for a fight or trying to pick a fight or I'm irritated by people or I'm offended by people. Like those things are things that separate me from God and I have to hate that I do it. Now I'm trying every day not to do it. I'm trying to do it less or I'm trying to recognize when I do it. It's all about healing, right? It's all about self, you know, healing and like, Using, I can't do it myself though. I need God to help me yes, do it. Yes, we all do. Right. But like, and so like, it might happen on my way home today, Tim. Like when I'm driving home, I might get mad at some jerk driving down the road and like giving me a finger or something. Right. And yep. so I might get all enmitous or whatever the word is. And so then I'll fail. I'll fail again. Right. But God knows that I hate it and he knows I'm trying to fix it. It's the sin that we're like, no, I'm good with that. I don't really feel like this is a sin. I feel like I was just made this way. So I'm just going to keep doing this thing. Yes. Like I love God, but I'm going to keep doing this thing. It's a nasty rabbit hole. Yeah, you can't do that, bro. Like you can't just keep doing the thing that you know is a sin. And a sin is more, if you haven't picked up on this already, is more than the 10 commandments, right? Like, oh yeah. Cause a lot of people could look at those, you know, stone tablets and say, I'm good with this. Like I, I don't, I'm not killing anybody or right. stealing or lying about someone on the witness stand. I'm not coveting their thing. I'm not, you know, and so like, I'm good. Well, nope, you're not because sin, like uh, Sean once taught, like sin is anything that uh, separates or distances us from God or disappoints God or really anything that God wouldn't do. And when you say, well, would God do this? Well, that's a pretty long list. It's longer than 10. Oh yeah. You know? it's God's God's law and our laws are way different yeah. and everybody sticks to our laws and you know, like committing adultery. That's not a crime. Yeah. It might be in some States, but right. it, it's generally not a crime. Going right. to strip clubs, not a crime. Getting drunk blackout drunk is not, a, well, if you're driving, it's a crime, right, right. but by itself, it's not a crime, right? but it is in God's eyes. Yes. It, it's, there, there are two different laws. And we think if we abide by our own laws, our own man-made laws that, you know, you won't get sued for or go to jail for, right. we're good. Yeah. We're living a good, clean life. That's how I used to think. Yeah. And, you know, when you start reading the scripture and listening to people like yourself and Pastor Sean and Pastor Dallas and other people. Uh, leaders of the right. church, you realize there's so much more to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Onions. Onions. Yeah. Right. That's Shrek. It. That's where I got that from. <laughs> yeah. Donkey and Shrek. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Can't love someone fully unless you understand them. Likewise, you can't forgive someone fully unless you're willing to understand. So step one in forgiveness is clearly understand. Listen to understand others or consider their background and pain and abuse. Now here's a cliche I like. Hurt people, hurt people. That's a good one. Because we need to consider people's heart and what they have stored up and understand 
what comes out when they speak and why. Yeah, that's always been a favorite for me, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And I don't feel like we take that into account often enough. I feel like when we're offended or when we've, uh, you know, when people do us evil and we, we look at it through the eyes, our own eyes, like this is what I would mean if that happened or this would be my context if I did that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know their context. You know, and that doesn't dismiss them or doesn't excuse them, but no. it's definitely something we need to understand. Like we need to understand like where they're coming from because I don't know how much they're hurt. You know, or I don't know, like, what's, you know, what happened to them this morning or, you know, what happened to them, you know, last night. Like, I, I have no idea. And so, like, I don't know, like, what if his wife left him, right? And now right. he's like, you know, he's got no idea what to do and he's lost. And then I come across him and I say something stupid and then he blows up at me and then I'm all offended and I want, like, a apology or I want to, you know. Mm-hmm. And, like, we just don't know. Like, we have to, we, we don't talk enough. Him. No, we, we need to be more. I think the word is empathetic, right? Yeah. There's there's sympathetic and empathetic, and I think people get those two words mixed up. Now, Sean's a wordsmith, so I hope he doesn't text me after this. Or, <laughs> yeah. But I believe empathy is understanding, and we don't show that at all in today's society. Nope. Um, you know why? You know this political mess we're in right now. But you know, uh, you know why is somebody that way politically? Right. Yep. Usually it's because it affects their, their pocketbooks, right? Usually yep. vote your pocketbook first, um, then your passion, then your morals. <laughs> yep. And you know, why are, why is someone acting this way? Why does somebody hate because me? Cause I think this way and there's, there's zero empathy, zero understanding. Nope. There's not enough conversation, transparency, um, you know, and it, accepting too. If someone does have a different point of view than you, so what? So what? It's their life. Yep. It's their life. Uh, whatever mess they're in is between them and God. You know, I can't judge them. I I can only tell them, you know, what the right direction is, right? Because their eternity is on the line. But. And even then, even not even that, until I've shown them love, until yeah. I've like yeah. heard them, until I've bore their burdens, until I've sat with them, right? And yeah. understood their hurt. Even then, I don't think I can, you know, because I feel like, I feel like that's a thing. Like I, I can't just, I can't only not, not be mad at someone. I got to love that person. Like, I feel like Jesus is really clear on this. Yeah. Like oh, the yeah. people that I'm supposed to hate, you know, like, you know, the you know famous parable of the, of the good Samaritan, right? Like that was really poignant. Like the more you learn about the differences between Israelites and Samaria and the Samaritans and like how much they hated each other and like what the Pharisees were up to and like all this, I mean, there's like a lot of garbage there, like context that we just don't get just by reading it or from right. our Sunday school stories. Yep. And so like, I have to not hate the Samaritan just because someone told me I need to, or because I see that they dress different than me, or that I know that they vote different than me, or they're protesting something that I wouldn't protest or that right, I'm in right, favor of. Yeah. You know, like I got to not hate them for that, but we so are so quick to hate on both sides. You know what I mean? Both sides are so quick to hate and dismiss and uh, call people names. You know, Jesus, in one of his sermons, he said somewhere, I'm trying to think where it is, anyway, that if you call someone uh, um, a fool, something like that, if you call someone a fool, you should stand before the Sanhedrin, meaning like the panel of religious leaders. If you call someone an idiot, you will burn in hell. Like, oh my gosh, Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think about how many times have I called someone an idiot? Oh man, too you know, like, many. I feel like this week I called three people idiots. Especially like not to their face. Breath. Right, right. All In my time. car where no one could hear. Yep. yep. And God so, like, still hears us. Yes. You know? And so like, again, not on the tablets of the 10 commandments, not in right. like 
federal law, but in God's law, he's like, you got you can't call people idiots. You can't just be mad at people just because of what they do or what they look like or, yep. you know, and well, we have to just stop. If, you know, you got to sit back and look at the big picture, right? Scott, you got to, I'm not going to try to do anything verbatim from the scripture because I'll butcher it, but there, there's something in there saying our life is something like a feather in the wind or whatever. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm a sure vapor. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it, it's trying to make you realize that we're going to spend what, 60, 70, 80 years in this world. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't Nothing. mean anything. It does. If you're serving Jesus, Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean anything if you're serving yourself and you're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. That's what matters. Yep. And these, these trivial things that we hate each other for makes no sense. Yeah. If you, if you understand the scripture, understand right. Jesus and God and love and forgiveness, right? It, it's so foolish. It, oh, it's just, it's frustrating. It's so foolish. We talk a lot of time downtown about um, how that maybe we're not half smart enough to figure out all the theology of the Bible. Yeah. But that I feel like when Jesus was pressed, you know, to talk about like what is it that we need to do? Like what do I need to do? As a as a follower of yours, as a disciple, as a as a lover of God, what do I need to do? And so Jesus pulled some old songs out of a hat, talked about how we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and our spirit. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves, even the ones that we don't like. And we need to go into the nations and make disciples and uh, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son. Like, that's it. Love and love and go. That's it. And he says that if you do these things, every other commandment, every other law, every other thing that God wants from you will be addressed. If you could just love and love and go. And I love that because like, that's a really yeah, simple thing, love. right? I can't go wrong if I'm loving. The second that I don't love is when things start going awry. Like I can't sin against you and love you at the same time. Like if I truly love you, like I'm, I would never like talk bad about you. I yeah. would never send a bad text about you. I would never, you know, I would never do any of that. And so I can't love and sin at you. They can't exist in the same space. Right. And so if I just focus on love, Everything else will be fine. Like I might have to worry about if I'm good enough to get into heaven because God told me that I don't. I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah, to Yeah, we're never heaven. good enough. So like, all I need to do is love and love and go. Like that's all I got to do. Yeah, that's it. You know. And so I feel like when I, when we talk about this thing that you know you're talked about, like it's the differences in the political climate and like the angst and the anger. This should be led by the Christians, right? Yeah. Jesus people should be leading on this. That we just like, yeah, I love you, man. Like you, I'm. Let, let's go have a beer. Let's go have a dinner. Let's go sit in your driveway and talk, right? Like, I don't need to separate from you. Like, I feel like the religious leaders, like they were mad at Jesus because of like who he was hanging out with. They were like, yeah, definitely. You know, so like you'd think Jesus would know better. If he's truly, you know, a prophet, he would know better than to sit down with these guys. And Jesus is talking to the prostitutes. Why is he talking to the the thieves? Yeah. And he's like, drunkards. I came you know, for these people, this is why I'm here. Yeah. And like, I feel like I need to do the same thing. I need to build a longer table that can include these people. It doesn't do me any good to include a bunch of other Jesus people. When we get together and talk about how great we are. No, like, I, I need to be no. like out there. Opposite of humble. Right. Opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't want to be the opposite of humble. Nope. Nope. That's absolutely true. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. What's said here is, for she loved much. The connection in this statement gives us the evidence of forgiveness. The one who is forgiven little loves little, meaning that the one who is forgiven little is thus not able to love much. 
Jesus' point is that the person who realized how great a gift of forgiveness is because they have a deep sense of their own sin has a great love for the one who forgives, and that's God. I feel like Sonny knew what we were talking about, and then she just came in with this part. Yes. Because I feel like this is exactly what we're saying. This is why I feel like like Jesus' people should be leading the way on this because we know what we've been forgiven. Like we know the cost has been paid and we know like what that weighs. So like we should be, you know, I don't know, out there. We should be out there, you know, washing people's feet and, you know, I don't know about crying and wiping them with my hair because I don't have any, but I feel like- <laughs> The beard. I right, mean. yeah, that would be super weird. <laughs> anyway, but I feel like that we should be out there doing that because we have been forgiven much and we know, we say that we know how much we've been forgiven. Why would we ever just sit on our hands and like not, you know, I was really clear. Like we're supposed to be out there making a difference for our neighbors, like the orphans and the widows and the imprisoned and the forgotten and the refugees and like all these other things. And all these things are things that are sometimes politically, they will say, well, we're above that. Like we're going to, like we don't, that's not a responsibility, but Jesus is like, yo, we have to do this. This is how we do it. This is, this is everything. And so if you look at the example of Jesus, Jesus wasn't sitting down with the Pharisees and having big fancy dinners and everything else. He was eating you know, with the tax collectors and the thieves and the prostitutes and like everybody, you yeah. know? And yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, you can't, you definitely don't, you know, this happens to a lot of new Christians too, where you can kind of become too much of a fundamentalist yeah. of scripture. And you start pointing out, I, I was there. Yeah. Um, you start attacking other Christians first, right? You, you start pointing out people for celebrating Lent. It's a tradition of man. You shouldn't do that. Mm. And it's like, yeah, but you're missing a point. I, you know, I learned this over years. There's still fasting. Yeah. And anything to get anybody fasting is a good thing. Yeah. You know, we do it January. Yeah. We don't do it during Lent. Well, so what? Yeah. We're still fasting. And whether it's liquid fast or streaming or it's got to be hard. Yeah. That's, that's a win. Yeah. That's a win. You know, you can argue over child baptism and, and adult baptism and, you know, all these fundamental issues. And that's go back to forgiveness where you can get in a debate yep. and yep. wreck a relationship. And I learned to quit being that person, mm-hmm. lead with love. Yeah. And, or remind myself on the days that I, I'm not being that person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lead with love. Um, because that, you know, I still got my own sin and my own problems. Yep. Why am I pointing it out from other people? Right. Why am I telling people they're doing it wrong? You're, you know, you're Catholic, you're, you're Lutheran, you're doing it wrong. Yep. I, we're doing it right because this is what the Bible. No, that's if, if, if their heart is full of joy and they're forgiving people and they believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's all that should matter. Yep. Yeah. It's all that should matter. Yeah. There are big rocks and little rocks when it comes to this thing, this topic yeah. of like, Christian on Christian crime, oh, you know, like, like, I feel like there's so many little rocks. Like there's just so many little rocks, but the big rock is the one you just said, right? Like I know who Jesus is and I'm going to love like him as much as I can. And, you know, I accept that he's my Lord and savior, that he died for my sins and that God rose him from the dead. Cause that's all the Bible says. You know, if you do this, you're saved in the meantime, then while you're waiting for heaven, you know, go, right. Go and love, go and be yeah. loved, go and, you know, give love. And like, that's how he told us to do. He didn't ever tell us to go and condemn. He didn't ever tell no. us to, you know, no. you know like I, I, it's funny. I rem, I'm reminded of a, a Billy Graham quote where he said, it's, uh, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's our job to love. 
Yeah. Anything beyond love is above my pay grade, right? So that's all I'm going to do. I've got, I've got no room. Now, I mean, certainly there's like relationships that we have, like with my best friends or my circle of guys or my family, right? Where like, I know their hearts, I'm, I'm accountable to them or yeah. for them to God. And so in that way, yeah, for sure, brother, you got to stop doing what you're doing because that's not right. But if I don't, if I don't have that relationship with you, if we're not, if we're not at that place together, then my condemnation doesn't mean anything. And that's where we get into the plank and the speck. You know what I mean? Like I gotta not just walk up to a guy and talk about the speck in his eye when I can't even hardly see his eye because I've got this big plank in my eye. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so <laughs> that's where that applies to. Like again, not to like our not to our people, not to our tribe or our family, but like to everybody else. Like just shut up, man. Just love them, right? And if you want to show them the way, show them the way. But show it by example and through love. Don't ever I don't know. People learn much more from example yeah. than you telling them. Yeah. Nobody likes to be told nope. what to do. Nope. None of us do. Everybody's got a little uh, rebel in them. Yep. Um, you know, if you have, you know, working on a job site as an electrician, you know, when I was younger, if I had a foreman that was telling me to move faster, but sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. How well do you think that worked? Right. Yeah. But if I had a foreman that had his tools on, was up in the li- in the scissors lift working right. side by side with me. Oh, well, guess what? I worked harder. Yeah. You worked 16 hours. I wanted to work 18 hours. Yep. But you put in eight hours and left right at three o'clock. Guess what I did? Right. Left right at three o'clock. Because if he doesn't care, why would I care? Right. So example is definitely the best way to lead. Yeah, and, I dig that. And show love. Yeah. I love Big that. Big time. I yeah. I, I have noticed too with, you know, it says forgiven little who has been forgiven little loves little. I have noticed when someone has really done you wrong, really, really done you wrong, and they know it, and you respond with love, which I just started doing in my life at 37. Yeah. yeah. It really makes them do, you know, turn 180 degrees the other direction. Yep. It and disarms like, them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It yep. disarms people. Yep. When you turn around and I just did this to you, and this is how you're treating me? Yep. And- that's by leading by example and hopefully they turn their life around. Yeah. That's it, good. Yeah. It, it definitely. Yeah. This, this whole series or this whole sermon, I'm pretty excited for. Um, I thought Sonny did a great job. Yeah. Was on point. Me too. It yeah. really spoke to me. Yeah. Personally. It yeah. Hit, it hit yeah. really close to home. I love that. Hey, it was great having you on the show today. I hope no. you had a good time. I did. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It was, I thought you did a great job. I was very nervous. Were you? Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Well, like I said, I never listened to a podcast till oh. this morning. See, and now you're a star. <laughs> I love it. I got like six of them downloaded. <laughs> yeah. So listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, review it, um, rate it on your favorite podcast platforms or share it. That's even better. Like if you feel like someone could benefit from hearing these words, someone you know on Facebook or Twitter or the Instagram, just you know, share this link with them and, and uh, encourage them to listen because that's really why we're here because we're here to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to all of you. And so um, thanks for listening uh, and I will talk to you the next time.